welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Schell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. Lord, we love you. We are so grateful that you have given us the gospel. That we know the Savior. That we have, we have come and been drawn to you and that you are with us. Lord, the truths we sang today, they ring in our hearts. They're, they're, our, they're our foundation. And Lord, the whole world needs to hear. We pray for each one of us. Lord, build us strong so that we can speak on your behalf and minister on your behalf. Lord, we're not holding this for ourselves. We are we're your disciples. Grace us, strengthen us. Grace me, Lord, today to speak the words so that we can hear you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. All right, we're going to look at Ezekiel. I want to talk today about the new you. Is Ezekiel 36. I cannot find a better place to describe the, the, the wonders of what goes on in us that Jesus Christ came to bring. Than Ezekiel. Uh, he just does it so beautifully. Let me remind you of something I said the other day in passing. I we talked about the prophet Joel and how, how Joel was saying that before the, uh, that battle of Armageddon, God would have restored Israel and and a foundation of that restoration that is, was that he would pour out his Holy Spirit on men and women and they, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Remember all that? That's what Peter turned to on the day of Pentecost and said, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. And uh, so I want you to see something here. Ezekiel is doing the same thing, an exact same scenario. Ezekiel is now in chapter 36. It's God speaking to his, the people, and he's saying, I am going to restore you. You're, 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 you've wandered away from me. You've gotten into this mess. I am going to restore you, and I am going to do these things in you. And I'll show you what those things are, three profound things. And he says, then when I do that, I will then bless the nation, and I will prosper you. I want you to see something that, that we often think, Lord, I want you to bless me. I, I, want your, I, want your, I want your help. And we think, I think, that God likes certain people and sort of does nice things for them and doesn't really care so much for others and doesn't do nice things for them. That's nonsense. Becoming a Christian does not mean your life will be blessed. It does mean you go on the radar and the devil hates your guts and is coming after you. So I would, I would caution you, beware of just becoming a Christian for its own sake. You know, like now you're a target. It's got a big bullseye on you. Blessing comes from obedience. You walk in God's ways and you're blessed. I've said many times, grace is free, but if you want to be blessed, you'll, you'll, you'll do it through obedience. So it isn't a matter of I become a Christian and now... Everything is, works really well. No, now you become a Christian. Now you're connected to the creator of heaven and earth. The one who knows everything. The one who could counsel you and guide you and loves you and who will be with you. 
You have, so you have every opportunity to succeed beyond your wildest dreams if you'll obey. And something has to happen in us for that to happen. And that's what Ezekiel points to. The God says, I've got to come in and do a radical work inside you before you can obey me so I can bless you. Do you follow this? And he's doing that work through Jesus Christ in, in us. That's just speaking of Jesus Christ is what it is. In fact, Jesus points this. He quotes from this passage in John 7. Uh, when he says, as the scriptures said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He's pointing to this passage when he says that. I won't go through the details of that. All right, I'm going to start at uh, verse 24 for fun. He says, I will take you from the nations and I will gather you from all the lands and bring you into your own land. Let me just put in something here. This is not Ezekiel's idea. This is not a new thought. This is like, is not something that's suddenly being said that's never been said before. It goes clear back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. God says to Moses, he says, now, in effect, they're all going to leave me. They're gonna, I'm, I've given them my, my ways, and they're all going to break my laws. I'm going ju- to, to such a point at some point, I'll scatter them all over the world. And I'm gonna, this whole thing is going to, going to be wrong. And he says, but when they, when they repent, he says, I will, I, are willing, I will gather them back together. And then he says this, and I will circumcise their hearts. So that they will love me and that they will love me with all their heart and mind and soul. God says, I'm going to come. The day will come when I will restore them. And I will not. You'll see Paul use the phrase, a circumcision not made with hands. Whenever it says not made with hands, it means God did it. So that there's a miracle. God is promising a miracle in which he says, I am going to, I am going to now circumcise your heart. I'm going to change your heart. Cut away the flesh and give you a heart that loves me. I'm going to change your insides miraculously. Isn't that wonderful? The whole gospel is built on a miracle that God will come and change the whole orientation of my heart. I will not stay a rebel. I will not stay selfish. I will not stay independent. God will come and he will take and he will circumcise my heart as he speaks to Moses here He says, I will take out the heart of stone and I'll put in a heart of flesh. Listen listen to this. He says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you. And whenever it uses that word sprinkle, that's a priestly word. I'm going to clean you. I'm 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 going to tone you, cleanse you from your sins. And you will be clean and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. First of all, I will forgive you. Verse 26, moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit Within you, would you say a new heart and a new spirit within you? Now here's that lovely phrase. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Why don't we read that? I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27. Here's the third thing God will do. I will put my spirit. See, the above verse 26 is I'll give you, a, give you a new human spirit, as it were. I'll take out the Adamic spirit. But here he says, I'm going to put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will obey me. All right. And then he goes on, and I'll just, I want you to see it. From verse 28 down through verse 38, he describes blessing. 
Now that this has changed inside you, you've been forgiven. You've been given a new heart that, uh, that wants to obey me. And I have put my Holy Spirit within you. Now you will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers. So you will be my people and I will be your God. Whenever he says that, I'm going to bless you. I'm your covenant God. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanness. Call for grain and multiply it. And it will not bring a famine on you. Now I'm going to prosper you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and produce the produce of the field that you may not receive again the disgrace of famine among the nations. I'm going to to give you food and take care of you that way. You'll remember, then you'll remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. He says, and you'll repent. You'll loathe yourselves. You'll have a perspective now on what you were and what you've become. And you'll be so sorry for what happened in the past. I am not doing this for your own sake. Declares the Lord, let it be known to you, be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. In other words, you don't deserve this, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Aren't we grateful for that passage right there? Yeah, you can cling to that one. Uh, Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places to be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of desolation in the sight of everyone who passes by. They'll say, this desolate land has become like the Garden of Eden. The waste, desolate, and ruined cities are fortified and inhabited. The nations that are left around you will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted that which was desolate. And I, the Lord, have spoken it and will do it. How many need that done in your life? You need the desolate places rebuilt, the cities rebuilt. You need God to restore. That which the canker worm and the palmer worm and the caterpillar hath eaten, I will restore, saith the Lord. He's, he's prom- and then he says, uh, this... I." I Also, I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, and I will increase their men like a flock. I will now grow your your families. I will grow uh, who you are and multiply you by many. You want to be blessed? Let's, Let's talk about what has to happen inside. Here we go. The new you. So far in our study of the Holy Spirit, we have recognized, now what I'm going to do is I'm giving you a summary of the messages we've had thus far in the series on the Holy Spirit. So far in our study of the Holy Spirit, we have recognized that he is a distinct person of God, along with the Father and Son, and that, he, it, that it is through him that much of God's work is performed. We have recognized that we humans were designed by God to live in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And without his help, we are doomed to fail in every important area of life. We have recognized that our sin not only separates our spirit from God, but contaminates our physical bodies so that until Jesus' death and resurrection provided a sacrifice that was able to cleanse those bodies, the Holy Spirit could not dwell inside us. We marveled at the fact that the Son of God took on our sinful flesh and died on the cross so our bodies could become a tabernacle of God. We have recognized that John the Baptist was a prophet uniquely prepared by God to introduce Jesus to the world and that he declared four essential truths about him. Number one, he is the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. Number two, he is the preexistent one who came to us from eternity. Number three, he is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Would you say that? He is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. And number four, he is the divine begotten Son of God. We have recognized that the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised by the prophets of Israel began to arrive on the day of Pentecost and is still available to every person who repents and believes in Jesus Christ. 
We have recognized that the Holy Spirit is given without measure to every believer, but that there must be a human response to that gift which welcomes him to dwell inside us and is willing to step out in faith so that his power and gifts can be released. You follow that? God, when you receive Christ, he gives you everything, but there is a human response. You can have that package, but you have to open the bow and take the lid off and receive your gift. There's a human receiving that must take place. There's our part of that equation, and that's what's been missed and overlooked, and um, that's why a lot of people have gone without uh, really stepping into what is theirs already. We have recognized that the Holy Spirit wants us to surrender our tongue so we can release our spirit to pray and praise in a language we don't understand. We discussed that last week. So now, with these truths in mind, let's look more closely at the changes that take place inside us when we trust Jesus as our Savior and welcome the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then let's consider how these changes will inevitably alter our future. For everyone who has experienced these changes today, we will be describing the new you. If you have received Christ, if you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, this is who you are. This is what's happened inside of you. And we need to understand those truths and, and stand strongly on them. A new heart. When properly proclaimed and when sincerely believed, the gospel produces a deep internal miracle. It changes the basic orientation of the human heart. The prophet Ezekiel described it this way. We just read it. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That is not it's beautifully said, but it's not poetry. It's not sort of a vague wish. God is saying, when you really are born again, your very attitudes, your foundational person of who you are will change from rebellion, selfishness, independence, to that of a humble child who loves your father. You follow this? If that change hasn't happened, that person's not born again. And you can go to church, you can be religious, you can have academic degrees in religion. And that change hasn't happened. You can know, you can know next to nothing and have just seen a felt cross presented to you somewhere for the first time. And you meant what you said and you gave your heart to him and your heart just got changed. You follow this? This is really important, people. You'll find people who say, oh, I'm a Christian, but, you don't, but that ain't there there. The heart isn't soft. It's as selfish, as dishonest, as untrustworthy as it's ever been. That person hasn't been born again. That's not a matter of just, it's not attitudes. Something fundamental changes. And this is why we've struggled so much in, in, in America with the gospel. We keep trying to think, well, you pray that prayer, so you must be all of these things. No, not necessarily. It had to be sincere. <laughs> and, 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 and who's to say when you finally repented? Catherine Booth, William Booth, uh, founder of the Salvation Army uh, years ago, 
she, she said, uh, don't you ever tell someone they're saved. He, she said, that's God's job. He said, and when they are, the Holy Spirit within them will tell them. She said, for who are you to know when the right eye's been plucked out or the right hand's been cut off? And you know what the phrase she's referring to there? When Jesus says, uh, you, know, but you, you know, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand is, it's gross. I mean, the, the whole thing, and, and it's meant to be. In other words, rather than go to hell, uh, you'd rather lose your eye. And he, he's trying to, he's trying to, he's, well, he's not trying. He is being dramatic and very clear. But, but what, what Catherine Booth is saying, who knows when that person has finally said, I repent. I surrender. Who knows when that's passed? Don't we play games with ourselves? Don't we say things that we don't really mean? I mean, I'll just talk for myself. In certain areas of my life, I think, I, I mean, I'd met the Lord and I had surrendered that way. But there's, I think there's actually areas of life in which we have to surrender. And I was still clinging, man, because I was scared spitless to let go. And boy, it took, you know what it took with my life? I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you're, you're stubborn as I am. But I'm just telling you, I had to hurt so bad that I finally didn't care anymore. <laughs> How's that for a tender heart? Um, I finally had, I had to hurt so badly that it didn't matter anymore. Anything had to be better. And then I finally let go. Wow, what a lovely man. But... Uh, uh, but it worked. <laughs> Praise God. Every teaching in the New Testament is designed to lead a person to these changes or talks to people in whom it is assumed they have already taken place. Did you follow? Every teaching in the New Testament is designed to lead a person to these changes that we just read, those three steps. Or, to, or talks to people in whom it is assumed they have already taken place. The entire New Testament is Pentecostal. There was no such thing as an evangelical movement. No one, I mean, if you were evangelical, they sent the apostles to lay hands on you. Didn't they? They did. Because you, you still needed to receive something. The Bible does not try to teach untransformed people how to become better people it doesn't push those who are still rebellious selfish and independent to try harder to be good it doesn't tell those who have not yet received a new heart that every time they sin God's grace covers them unlimited grace is promised only to those who have had that heart of stone pulled out and a heart of flesh put in its place to those who have come to love God and who long to please him. In other words, to those who have become children of God. To announce such grace to the untransformed, to the still rebellious, only encourages them to continue sinning. It calms any worry that God might hold them accountable for their actions. But to the true child of God, to the one who longs to obey the Father but has become overwhelmed by the power or to, of temptation, the message of grace, the grace of Jesus Christ, announces God's patience while he or she is learning to find victory over that temptation and assures that person that he will help them in their struggle. I mean, did that sink in? Did you make, hear what I just said? If you, if that Change hasn't happened. For you to tell me I have an infinite sea of grace simply tells me, oh, good, I don't have to stop. 
I, I game it because my heart doesn't want to obey him. And I'm looking for loopholes. I'm looking for opportunities. How do I get out of this thing? How can I get to heaven, maybe? Because that is not particularly a godly desire. It is a selfish desire in its own way. It's all right. It's fine. It is good. It'll do. Um, but, uh, you know, very few people that you would ask and say, do you want to not go to heaven? Well, they'd like to go to heaven. So I want to get there. But if I haven't surrendered, if I haven't really bowed my knee, if I don't have that different heart, I still am selfish, I'm still independent, and I'm still rebellious. Don't tell me no. Don't tell me no. And I'll, I'll, just, I'll just find a way. So if you come along and tell me I have just infinite seas of grace, all it does is give me permission to keep going. Actually, for that unrepentant heart, for that hard heart, it needs to hear that there's a judgment ahead and you need to repent. You need to fear God. See, the fear of God is not a bad thing. It's a smart thing. Given what's, what's ahead of us, the fact that there really is a, we'll all stand before him, to not be afraid of that is foolish. It's ridiculous. So what happens to the tender heart, however, to the heart that has gone through the change, Ezekiel just described, out goes the stone, in goes the flesh. That person loves him and wants to please him. Doesn't mean that person still isn't fighting addictions. Doesn't mean that person still doesn't deal with depression or doesn't deal with who knows what. Doesn't mean that at all. But they do love him. It's not a joke. They're looking for how do I get out of this thing? They're looking for how do I bring my life into obedience? They may go through tremendous frustration that they can't, but they want to. Do you follow this? It's the issue of the heart. It's the issue of the want to. So to them, the Lord says, infinite grace. I'll just clean you up as many times as I have to. When you fall, I'll pick you up. I'm your father. You're my child. We'll get through this. Do you hear this? So there, the, the message that Jesus Christ has, has given us, infinite grace, is true. But and to the heart that's changed, that tells me I'll make it. <laughs> that tells me I'm gonna, he'll get me there one way or another. Because I love him and I want to be with him forever. He'll get me. But to the rebellious heart, to the heart that hasn't bowed its knee, that message is dangerous and can turn it into a sociopath. According to Ezekiel, the first thing God wants us to do is cleanse us from our sins. Wants to do is cleanse us from our sins. We understand that to mean that when we repent and believe in Jesus Christ, our sins are completely washed away. So that there is no record of them before God. And we have already discussed the second thing God wants to do to us. Ezekiel says he will take out of us the rebellious spirit we inherited from Adam and Eve. And put in its place an obedient heart. That means that everyone who is born from above, Jesus phrase, will desire to do the right thing. That person is not looking for permission to keep on sinning. They are looking for guidance and help so they can stop. And it is the person with that new heart that, to that person, Ezekiel says, God wants to do the third thing. Listen, I will, why don't you read this with me? I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. 
and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. In this verse, Ezekiel is describing the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I say that because Jesus points to that verse. I won't go through the, through the, the linguistics. Well, maybe I will. Uh, that word within, do you see within there? In that phrase there with Ezekiel? In the Hebrew, it is the exact equivalent, meaning the inside your body, your body cavity. It's a, it's a word, charev. Um, when, when uh, was it Rebecca had the twins within her, it was, it was karev, inside her body. So how inside, I mean, that's inside your body cavity. Jesus uses the, uh, the, uh, the way they translated it, and that's, there was no accident. John did that. Used a word, a Greek word that means body cavity. Same thing. Koilea. Like the coils of your bowels. See how internal I'm talking? Yeah. All right. So Jesus says, as the scriptures said, out of your koilea. She's talking about, he's talking about uh, dear Ezekiel, his friend. He says, out of your body cavity, within you will flow rivers of living water. I'll put my spirit, says the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. In this verse, Ezekiel is describing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which God says will enable us to walk according to his statutes. That means his covenant requirements. And to, uh, and to observe his ordinances, and those or, word ordinances is, is, is the, are, the, are the God's commands about worship. So to worship him as he's asked to be worshipped. In other words, by placing his Holy Spirit inside our bodies, God gives us the power to obey him and to worship him properly. And it is because of the, those two new capacities that we are finally able to live the purposeful, blessed lives that he has planned for us. A new power. Paul, in the book of Romans, explains that even when a person possesses a new heart and desires to please God, that individual cannot properly obey him without the Holy Spirit's help. Because the power of temptation is too strong. He says the person who doesn't have that power or who doesn't know how to draw on the help that God's indwelling presence can provide will inevitably be overwhelmed by forces too great to resist and will end up saying something like this. And you don't have to say this out loud with me, but if you want to, go ahead. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body that is full of death? If you look at Romans 7, the second, second half of the chapter, Paul describes a person who wants to do the right thing. What does that indicate? Their heart's changed. Yeah. They got the right heart. They want to do. So the person says, the good that I would do, I don't. The evil that I hate, I do. Uh, and, and then Paul says, which shows me that my spirit wants to do the right thing, but that this sin, this, 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 these temptations, this power is resident, he says, within me. But he says now, and what I mean by that is in my flesh. If you read that chapter, that's what he says. It's in, he actually says that my body, which is not, not yet, it's been, it's been forgiven through Christ, but it's not redeemed. When will my body be redeemed? At the resurrection, yeah. It's not done. So this body in mine, yours too, is dying. 
You ever wonder why am I dying if I'm all forgiven? Because the body ain't done yet. The body's still under the, under, the, under the curse. It's forgiven, so the spirit lives in you, but it's not redeemed yet. It will, and boy, it's going to be something when it is. You'll have a resurrected body, immortal, no disease, glorious, shining like the sun. I mean, he's going to really do a job on you. Um, but that isn't done yet, so it's, it's still in process. So Paul says, my spirit, he describes a man who says, my spirit wants to obey God. I want to do the right thing. But, but the passions, the, the temptations, the lusts, the anger, the fears, the, the even, I think, confused thinking that's still in that subconscious. All, all, he says, this stuff is dragging me around and I'm doing the very thing I hate. I'm trapped. And then he says, whoa. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this? The body of this death is the way it reads, but he means, he means this dying body. It's full of death. But Paul doesn't leave us trapped in frustration. He first reminds those who are in Christ Jesus that they are not under condemnation and then points to the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and reminds us of how powerful he is. He describes him as the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. He's trying to help us see that the Holy Spirit, who is now living inside us, is far more powerful than the sinful impulses that originate in our dying bodies. When we learn how to let him strengthen us, we will find that we are able to put to death the deeds of the flesh and obey the God. That's right out of what Paul says in Romans 8. Look, when he, what he says to this person who's wretched, who's, who's in frustration, and he's talking about himself, I think, in his past. And he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? And then, if, then you come to this, they, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And then he says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, meaning the Holy Spirit, has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then he describes that spirit of God that's within you. He says, as the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Think of it. Jesus' savaged body. He didn't just die. He was savage. He's a mess. And the Holy Spirit touched that destroyed body. Exploded him, not just back to life. He didn't just go, oh, wow. Whew. He, he, he came back resurrected. In an eternal, immortal, glorious body. That when Paul saw it, it blinded him. That power to do that is inside of you. Do you follow this? You can't ever say, I can't obey. I don't have the power to resist. In your flesh, you don't. But you have access now. He dwells in you. And if you will allow him, he will strengthen you. So yes, indeed, you can say no or yes or endure in whatever you need to do. Do you follow this? This is the skill we must learn. This is, this is, the, this is the thing that sets us apart so that we suddenly walk a new kind of life, make new kinds of choices. We, 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 we now are, are, are different people and our life is blessed. Our life has been put on a path and we are blessed. The new you. So the new you is a person whose past is forgiven 
and now lives in continuous grace. The new you is a person who possesses a new heart that loves God and wants to obey him. How many of you know I, my heart does? I love him and I am trying to obey him. I don't always do this right. I, there's areas where I, I've, I've, I've apologized a thousand times. I hate the thing, but, I, but he knows if I could push a button, it'd be gone now, right? That's the heart. That's the change. You're Romans 7. And the whole key for us is to become Romans 8. Learn to, learn to walk in what he's given us. That's really what we're talking about today. And the new you is a person who is, whose very body has been indwelt by a power far greater than the power of any temptation. So that you are now able to obey God and worship him as he desires to be worshipped. That's huge. In other words, the new you has been set free. Not to go back to old things, but to hear God call you into his service. To discover the way he has made you and, and the gifts that he has placed within you. And to develop godly character so that you can walk in holiness and not have your destiny stolen by falling into the traps the devil will place in your path. Did you see those three things? Those are the three classes basically of our, for, our spiritual formation. We, we will be teaching the one on character this, this fall. When I finally began to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, I began to discover who I am. When we do water baptism here, I, I love this. And, and I, 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 it keeps coming to me uh, while I, I sit on the edge and hold the microphone and others baptize. And, and, uh, but I, we've, we've listened to each person give a testimony. Uh, why are you being baptized? And they've been presented with what this means, that they're dying with Christ and rising with him and they're selling out. This is the moment where they declare to the world, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of him. I belong to him. And every person that is baptized has a different, you, you can hear a different, they'll say different things. They'll, they'll respond differently. But almost always, I would say once in a while, we've had a ringer, but not often. Not often. For the most part, it's profound. And you're listening to people in their own way say, God, I love you, and I sell out. You'll have old people who say, I've wasted a lot of my life, but no more. No more. From here on out, it's yours. You have young people. Every so often, I'll quiz them. You know, they'll, 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 you can tell, that, you know, I'm giving Jesus the rest of my life. And I think, you know, you got a whole lot of life. Are you sure you want him to have all of it? You know? <laughs> And I'll, I'll, I'll quiz them a little bit because but what, what I love, you know, and I'll say to them often this, you see, the key, I, what I said to you earlier, the key to blessing isn't becoming a Christian. The key to blessing is obedience. And when someone genuinely surrenders, when they genuinely start making different kinds of choices, uh, their life shifts. And you can watch people's whole futures just suddenly shift. If you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. You see, you don't want to be just forgiven. That's, that's the pits. You don't just want to go to heaven and have it held till then. You would like to have the blessing. You would like to have his favor and his power touch everything you deal with, would you not? Yeah, well, that comes by obedience. And obedience comes out of that surrendered heart and the power of the Spirit. 
So, so when we talk about this whole thing, so when, I, when somebody's here in, in water baptism and they're, and they're surrendering, they really mean it. I've said to them this very many times. I said, now we get to f- discover the real you. Now we get to discover who you were made to be in your mother's womb. Now we get to discover the, the calling and the gifting and the person you were intended to be. Because up till now, it's been held captive by the flesh. Now you emerge. The, the daughter, the son, that God intended with his surrendered heart and your whole future is readjusted. It, isn't this wonderful what he's come to do? The new you makes vastly different choices than the old you. And as a result, the course of your life is dramatically changed. You're learning the art of obedience. You're living with a sense of purpose. You're daily feeling his pleasure and recognizing his care in everything you do. And whenever you sin, the new you quickly confesses and repents. So you continue to be the person God designed you to be in your mother's womb, which changes your fundamental attitude toward life. You're now grateful to be alive. Because each day provides you with another opportunity to partner with God in building his eternal family. That becomes your new goal. It is not any longer about you succeeding or being popular or comfortable or safe or rich. It is not about that. When your heart surrenders, it becomes about him. He's not here to help you. He's not your co-pilot. He's the driver. And you are his helper. And when li- and let me tell you, here's the wonder of it all. When life shifts like that, it takes on purpose. It takes on beauty. You begin to be glad you're alive. Nothing is more depressing than living for yourself. The heart, and you know what happens? The more you protect yourself, you're always wanting to be safe. You always want to be comfortable. You always want to be, you know, just pampered and you know, whatever it is. You always want, it's all about you. Your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And you become this sort of brittle person. You can't be touched. You can't, every, you're, just, you're just fragile as you live in this, in this protected zone. God's always taking you and just stretching you. <laughs> Come on. You know, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You know, and he just stretches us out of our comfort zone. Nothing's more depressing than living for yourself. And let me tell you something. Nothing, how do I word that? Nothing is more discouraging than believing in myself. Now, that is a mantra that is absolutely universal right now. I just believe in myself. You know, like, wow, cool. You know, God doesn't. Um, he doesn't believe in you. Uh, he says, uh, the Bible says, I can, uh, you, that you can uh, do, apart from him, you can do. Yeah, that's pretty low esteem. He thinks you're a failure. But on the other hand, he says that with God, all things are possible. So if you partner with him, get, align yourself with him, you're, a, you're, you're, you're amazing. You can do miracle, miraculous things by yourself. Believing in yourself, living for yourself. You want to just live, have a living hell, that'll get you there. I promise you, 
I've been there. <laughs> it's a living hell. So what God does is just take and pull us out of ourselves, changes that heart of ours, and all of a sudden you, got, you feel love for people, broken people, sick people, needy people, lonely people. You, you can't live in this world with everybody around you. You want them to know your Lord. You want to heal them. You want to comfort them. You want to do something. That's the way you're made. That's your new heart. That's like his. That's how he is too. And so now he's gifts you. And now you begin to find those gifts. And he uses those gifts. And he uses that longing and that passion in you. And he directs you. And all of a sudden your life is full of fruit and people. And, 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 and ministry. And all of that goes with it. All the hard things and the good things that go with it. Your life is just drawn out. And you be, you're grateful now for the days you're given. You want the days. Because it's not about you anymore. Confessing the new. God's plan for every one of his children is that we live victorious, fruitful lives. But many do not. When they sin, they feel condemned. When they try to stop, they discover they can't. And their continual failure leads to despair. That's why these three truths that Ezekiel has taught us are so important. They are not religious cliches. They are not empty words. They are profound spiritual realities. The person who understands and walks in these realities will find the abundant life that Jesus promised. Not an easy life, not a luxurious life, but a life that has a true goal and has discovered the power to reach that goal. When people talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they usually focus on speaking in tongues and on the fact that the Holy Spirit enables us to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And it does release wonderful gifts for ministry. But frequently overlooked is the fact that the baptism of the Holy Spirit provides us with the power to obey God and live holy lives. We don't realize that once we learn to pray as we ought to pray, we saw that last week uh, from uh, Romans chapter 8, and worship as we ought to worship, we will be strengthened to the point that we can put to death the deeds of the flesh. And make good choices. Walk in faith. And endure in our assignment for a long time. Your ability to pray as you want to pray. We talked about the power of, and the beauty of speaking in tongues. It, suddenly my spirit is able to pray and praise. It with, as the spirit gives me utterance. Going past my mind so I can't filter it. It pours out what ought to get said. He's taught me to, he's given me the power now to worship him as I ought to worship him. And in that, I become strengthened. What does the, what does the Romans 8 person do that sets them apart from the Romans 7 person? The Romans 7 person wants to do right, the right thing, but can't. The Romans 8 person can. What's the difference? The Romans 8 person has learned to draw on the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we access his power? We worship. We pray. We press in. We get close to him. You know that, I, that phrase gets used so much. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You know what waiting upon the Lord means? Wait till he shows up. Press in. Seek him. And when he shows up, when he's there, now you have strength. It'll renew your strength and you'll, with, like eagles, you'll rise up and you'll run and not grow weary and all of those things. It all has to do with us learning to draw in to his presence.
Does this make sense? You can do this. I can do this. Every one of us can do this. Today, let's recognize the new things God has placed in our lives. Let's confess the truths that we have learned. Number one, would you say this out loud with me? I am forgiven. My spirit, go ahead, let's do the whole thing. My spirit is no longer separated from God by a barrier of sin. He is my loving father. And because I have been joined to Jesus, I have been given every good gift. Number two, I have a new heart. I love God and want to please him. My old rebellion has been replaced by trust. My selfishness has been replaced by a longing to help others find God who loves them. My independence has been replaced by the joy I feel in his presence. Number three. My body is no longer unclean. It has become a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. And he has awakened my spirit so that I can hear, see, and feel spiritual things that I have never noticed before. I've discovered that with his help, I can pray and praise until I become strong. And then I can do what he has asked me to do. To the person who has genuinely repented, and believed in Jesus Christ. To the person who has welcomed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Each of these statements is absolutely true. And if we choose to believe what God has said. And live by these truths. We will find a power at work in our lives. That is so strong. It will change the course of our lives. And guide us into the blessings God has planned for us. We will become. And then would you read this with me. Like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water. It brings forth its fruit in its season. Our leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever we do shall prosper. Hallelujah. Praise God. Would you stand with me if you feel comfortable standing? Otherwise, stay seated. Three powerful truths. For every man, every woman who has stepped into what God has given us, Ezekiel spells them out so beautifully. Number one, we're forgiven. Paul says we are no longer under condemnation. Blessed be the Lord. Number two, we have a new heart. That infinite grace, that, that mercy that flows like a river is given to us, but it's given to the new heart, the heart that loves him, that wants to please him, to the child of God who wants to follow and serve the Father. That heart can be given grace. That heart can fail a million times, but God will pick that heart up. He'll dust that person off and he'll just put that, that child back on until we learn the lesson. Aren't we grateful for that mercy? But it, for us, it isn't a way of, of, a, of getting an excuse to sin on. It isn't so we can keep on doing things that damage our lives and damage the lives of others. We're not looking for permission to do that. But we are grateful that God doesn't cast us aside when we stumble, but loves us and forgives us and picks us back up. That's a wonderful grace. And then we have within us the same spirit that raised that savaged body of Jesus Christ, that torn, crucified corpse, the power of the Holy Spirit came over that body and raised it not only to life, 
but into the resurrected condition, which is a solid, real physical body that is immortal. That same spirit dwells in you and dwells in me. Never can I say I don't have power. Never can I say I don't have the strength. I don't in myself, no. But within me, and as I learn to worship and praise, and draw into the spirit, I can do all things. So I can make good choices. I can endure in hard things. I can, I can live different ways now because I have the power to do what he's called me to do. Lord Jesus, we confess this. We believe it. We rejoice in it. What a salvation you have brought us. We love you and we honor you. We trust you and we give our heart to you afresh this morning. In your precious name we pray it. If you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.